Hello, everyone. As always, my name is Emilio Garcia from Boundify. I'm here today with Leonardo, my business partner. And obviously, those of you that are joining live today, welcome. Donald, welcome. And everybody else that watched this video later, I hope you enjoy it. Today, we have a couple of very quick topics. We will dive a little bit on the marketing strategy on the gated versus ungated content dilemma, if you gate or not your content. And obviously I will explore what I mean by that. And in the more tactical portion of it, we will discuss what makes a good text ad on Google search. What, what are the characteristics of the, a, a good Google search? So without further ado, let us start right away. So when we say gated content, this discussion has been going on for a while, for actually some years already. It started pretty simple back in the day. And as always, I, I, for those of you that are going to watch this later, I usually start with sharing uh, my screen. So I'll do a little bit of sharing here. Let me go for it. Let me stop this and switch to HubSpot. Yeah, and I will use HubSpot as a reference. What I mean by gating content is something like this. You have something of value. Usually when you are on top of the funnel, it might be a document like an ebook that explains something difficult to your prospective buyers. And, and you want them to have access to that information. And usually you have an offer through an ebook. And in back in the day when uh, this was quite not, uh, not common, it used to be the case that you will put this information behind a form. You will ask some uh, information about that person usually the name, uh, the email address. And if, if the information is of more, more value, then you will ask for more information and then you will deliver the information either on the same page in a thank you page or later after through email. So this is gaining content and you can do it obviously with eBooks, with white papers. You can even do it with case studies or some information more in the bottom of the funnel. And that's been done for, for years now. This is a very common practice. But nowadays, the ties have been changing. And some people argue, uh, especially in the B2B realm, that, that getting content doesn't make sense anymore. And one of the reasons is that nowadays, because content is available in many forms, you, and also because people have become more aware of the, the fact that usually when you download one of these pieces, you're going to get some automation emails you asking for something extra. So less people fill them, or if they do, they might use a false email or an email that is just for downloading these kind of offers, but they don't regularly check. So they will miss the whole marketing automation thing. There's this argument that, that you should ungate it. And obviously there are pros and cons. Obviously the pros on this on gating content are that when you do, you have something that can start a lead generation program, right? If you have content that is valuable and you organize it on your website as a library and you give access to people based on sharing some information, you can start then a conversation through email with them, either uh, through marketing automation or just simple emails where you ask something like, it was this information of value where you're looking for something that I can help you with. However, if you gate the content, one of the big 
cons of that is that you lose the opportunity for search engines to maybe index it. And the reason is because if something like 10 pages of good content, maybe that can be offered on the website freely and Google and other search engines will be able to crawl it and you will get that extra traffic. So in one area, when you gain content, you are giving some opportunities to lead generation programs. And in the other side, when you are ungating it, you are giving the search engines the opportunity to search and therefore you get that extra traffic, you get that brand awareness, you get, you get that uh, authority that you might miss because you have all the valuable content behind the form. Just like had the two sizes and before sharing with you my take on it, I don't know, Leo, if you have any point of view of yourself on what do you think about those two strategies? I think the both strategies are good. I think about 80% of the, of, uh, of the content out there is gated. That means that you're asking for some information before you provide your information. Uh, both are valid, I think, but I think in the bottom line, it aims to different purpose. In one hand, the, uh, the gated uh, content is more aimed to get leads and ultimately to get sales. The ungated is just to provide some information in order to put your brand out there and your potential customers start, starts to recognize your brand more often. That's, uh, I think that's the difference between the two of, of them. Uh, both of them, as you mentioned, have different strategies and I think you are gonna dip in, uh, dip, uh, go deep in those. Uh, for example, in gated, in, in gated and the gated strategy, you can go deep and, and provide or follow the best practice of the gated content. There are six steps that I'm gonna, I'm gonna mention uh, before you finish. Yeah, I agree with you that it really depends on where your uh, strategy is going for, right? If you are into lead generation, you really need those extra leads and ranking that content on Google is not that important right away, then probably you need to focus on getting content. And if not, you do the other way around. One way that I have found that is a good mix of the two is to find ways to share that content and at the same time, maybe gate the most valuable portion of it or gate it for a little while. So some ideas here. For example, imagine that you have come up with a great piece of content that you can transform into an ebook that maybe you want to share. And it's, it's going to be a long project. It's going to take you a, a few months. So you can start by writing some blog pieces that, that are going to become, in a sense, pieces of the whole ebook, like the chapters. So you can start sharing those. They're going to free you can create maybe some infographic or some medium images around that idea. You maybe might record some videos and all of those will be distributed free. And you finally have the ebook and you're just offering something like actually Hofstad talks about a lot of that. It's called a pillar page. So you are pretty much offering the ebook in a way that, that people can read directly on the website. But honestly, and sometimes that's my case, even when I have the website to read, I don't like reading web pages. So sometimes I say, I really like this information. I would like to have it in a PDF format. 
then I can download the ebook too if it's offered there and I read it later instead of staying or bookmarking the page. Another thing that I have seen is you might have these long-term content and then you offer something else as the gated content. It can be a template or uh, another document that is related to it, that is of value. So that way you give something of value that can be crawled, but at the same time, you have something that might generate leads for those that are really interested in what you're offering. And usually also the other thing that it does, improve the quality of the leads that you're getting. So uh, those are some ideas there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was going to mention, there are some uh, best practices that you can find in the, in the blog, in HubSpot. There's a lot of information there that you can find. But there's some best practices you can use for a gated content. Last time, Emilio uh, talked about uh, the, bird, the buyer's journey. If you weren't here, you can uh, see the video later. But the buyer's journey, Emilio mentioned last time that has three stages. I had a, a, another two, but it's basically three stages. That it's awareness, consideration, and decision. In the best practice gated content, uh, that would be the first step. It would be to create some content for each state in this buyer's journey to, to promote, to see in every, ste- in every step what can value you added to the customer. During this stage, it's very important for your audience to have a content that means uh, that it's meant to help them along the way. Uh, that's very important for them to really conduct them in the, in the right way. The second one in the, in the, in the best practice is uh, to complete a competitive, uh, competitive analysis. Once you have brainstormed some of the content ideas for each stage of the buyer's journey, now you have to conduct a competitive analysis. It's a competitive analysis. You research what your competitors are doing. This means looking for what type of content you offer they are creating. Look at the content gated versus ungated. Then you will see what's better for your customer and what's better for your audience, right? The first step would be to provide an incentive as an inbound marketer, you have to know that providing value is the most important thing, is one of the most important things. Your contact offers shouldn't just be just a blog, shouldn't be just a comment. Instead, your gated content should provide actionable, value, valuable content. It's very important that. The first step would be to build a very strong landing page. Usually, usually when users clicks the content offer, They'll be led to a landing page, and this landing page has to really uh, amaze the customer to really have them what they are looking for because they already provide you with information. You have to return the value to them. Then you have all this information for your customers. You have emails. You have uh, some information of your customer. Then the five step, the fifth step, you have to segment your audience. This will help you to develop email uh, marketing campaigns uh, that are targeted and that are very effective, very targeted and very effective. And last but not least is to measure the analytics. As the last video we mentioned, analytics is key to really understand what you are doing and to understand if what you are doing is really causing the effect you want, is really helping your customers and they're really feeling that you are uh, adding value to them. So that would be some of the, of the steps you need to take in order to have a very best practice for the gated content. Love it, love it, Leo. Thank you. That's what I, that I have there. And obviously, uh, I would love if later this video is uploaded on YouTube. If you have any comments, just post them there and, and subscribe for more information. The other topic that I want to talk about today is about what makes a, a great Google search ad copy. 
or text ad. So in the same way that I do sometimes, I will share my screen with some reference point. In this case, I usually use our campaign that I have more for uh, demonstration purposes. Let me share the screen again here to give you an idea of what I'm talking about. So on search, you have obviously the opportunity to create ads that are text-based. And, and there are some simple rules that are important to follow to create successful advertising on search. One, one key recommendation, of course, is that if you can, you create ad groups that are tied to specific phrases instead of having a lot of keywords in just one ad group, which is usually something that happens that can prevent you from creating copy that really talks to the, what the person is searching. So for example here, just for demonstration purposes, I'm putting here the one keyword that is relevant to us, the B2B demand generation agency. Someone looking for a B2B demand generation agency. And so the components of the ad in general are, you have a URL, that will be your website or your landing page if, you're, if you have one. Sometimes customers say, should I start every single campaign with a dedicated landing page? If you can, yes. But if you can, just start with a website, start <laughs> measuring, and then you focus on the pages or, or the keywords that are really a driving engagement and you optimize those with landing pages. So pre don't prevent you don't having a landing page from starting. So you'll have a URL. If it's not a landing page, it will be the, your website. And nowadays on Google Ads, you usually have the option to have one, two, or three headlines. The only one that is in theory required is the first one. But I usually recommend that you, if you can, if you have something different to say, you use them both or the three of them. Honestly, the biggest one or the most important one is the first one. That's the one that most people pay attention to. In my particular case, I'm using the same keyword because at least for me, that's like relevant, but some people can start here with questions or they usually start with value propositions, things that make them different. This one here, right? You, I can start with get more, better, get more and better leads now, or I can start with something like a pain point for the lead. Like, if, are you frustrated by um, profitable digital marketing efforts? Are you not getting enough leads or is your marketing not driving demand, for example? So I can shift it into the pain points too. And obviously the things that you want to accomplish, because for example, here, I'm giving a hint into the fact that to generate demand, you start with campaigns, but I'm making some focus on results driven and getting more and better leads. I can also drive with just um, getting more and, and better opportunities, for example. That will be another way to present it because usually our prospects will be interested on the outcomes, not necessarily on the process itself, even when they want to know about it. But in general, you have three headlines. And if you can use them all, that will be the first great recommendation. Try to use them all. Try to use tile case which is this, if you see here, I'm the punctuation, I'm using capital letters on most of the words, some prepositions you skip, but try to, to make those headlines pop up. Even when it's just text, that's the part will be more important. Another quick tip will be that by default, Google will use your domain URL to use something called display paths. They will not try to display the whole long URL that you might have. 
they will just put the domain. But they will give you some space to, to put no more than 15 characters on these two sections. So take advantage of those. I usually uh, recommend using the same keyword for the ad group that you have or something that is closer to that. Like for example, here is B2B demand generation, even when the URL doesn't have that word because in the display path is gonna show up here. And again, it will connect with the searcher on, oh yes, this is B2B demand generation is related to that. And finally, the last portion of the ad that you have access to is the description. Here again, in the past, you only had one description. Nowadays, this what Google ads call expanded ads have actually the option to show two. Sometimes they will show or not, depending on where you're watching on desktop or mobile, but it's important that you put them both. Obviously the same recommendation, the most important one will be the first one. And the second one will be less important because people might not pay attention to the whole text. So you can see, for example, here, um, I'm using, because here I have 90 characters, I can expand a little bit about what we do instead of just having these strong headlines on get more and better leads or just grow better with us or result driven campaigns. Here I explain a little bit about, I'm touching pain points, or in this case, I'm explaining what we do, right? We offer services that provide measurable and tangible results, right? One, one key recommendation too, if you can do it, if you have a space to, is to end with a call to action, right? If what you are offering is, or what you want is a call, or if you wanna have a, a consultation or get a quote, then usually it's, it's irrelevant to, for example, here I can end with get a quote now, right? I don't have an office space, but maybe I can, I can end here, get a quote. And so having those call to actions at the end are important in text because usually you don't have a dedicated button or something that you can click on. So you want to present an option there. If you see, I'm not that worried about my call to action here on the description because I'm using extensions for the ad. And you can see how those extensions show up in the ad. For example, I will have one extension will say, let's talk, which is actually the action that I wanted the, the, the prospects or the leads to accomplish. And I'm also offering access to other parts of the website. You want to know about, you want to know more about our clients because maybe you want to see the portfolio. Maybe you want to see some case studies. You want access to some resources to learn. So I'm using those extensions to um, get a glimpse of the rest of the website to our users. Uh, you can do the same. You can, if you have a section for products or for solutions or some learning resources, then you can add those as extensions and they will, be, they will show up as part of the ad. Obviously, if you have a phone number and you are taking care of it, answering phones, or you have a voicemail, then add your phone as a, uh, a call extension and it will show up in the ads too. Like you can see the number here. And one, one particular good thing about that is that in mobile, actually, if you click on the number, it will immediately start a call, right? So um, that way you can offer another way for a customer, a potential client to reach you out instead of sending them to the website and fill in a form. If you feel comfortable with that and it's, you have someone behind the phone answering right away. So that will be a good recommendation. Those are in general the good practices, right? Um, have obviously 
the best that you can a, a web page, it's preferably a landing page or something that behaves like a landing page. Pay extra attention to your headline, specifically the first one, but don't forget about the other two. Uh, use the space that you have available to have a more rich resort, richer result. Use the display pad if you can with the keywords that you're trying to target and take advantage of the two descriptions, talk about your pain points, and especially have a call to action at the end of them. Take advantage of the call extension of the extensions in general, call extensions, side link extensions like the ones that we have here. If you have offers or pricing, then you can take advantage of those two. Location, that's another great extension to take advantage of. If you have a physical location and people actually can visit Nowadays, it's a little bit harder because of COVID, but uh, if everything goes back to normal, you want to have those locations available as well. Now, the flip side of this is th this order is not new, but, uh, but uh, is at least newer than the usual responsive ad. And sorry, this is the responsive ad. At, and it's this new format that search is making available to advertisers that is more based on in artificial intelligence or consider automated A-B testing. So you have three headlines and you have them in a specific order and you have two descriptions and you have them in a specific order. But you might ask, are those the best headlines that I can have? Or are the descriptions the best descriptions that I can have for making sure that someone actually clicks on the ad and go and visit my website and see my offer. So if you have ever wondered that, usually what you do is that you create multiple variations of the ad. You create two or three of them and you change the headlines and you change the descriptions. However, now Hubs, uh, Hubs, uh, Google offers a format where actually all of that testing can happen. You just provide, I call it, you provide the assets. Right. So, for example, you can see here, I have way more headlines. Probably I have, I don't know, more than 10. And I have, I have different variations on the idea, like certify agency for growth or something like that. And I have here not just two, but four descriptions. So I have more real estate. It's not that the ad is going to show all these headlines at the same time. It's more that it will mix and match headlines and descriptions and it will start showing those ads to people and start figuring out which combination works the best. So you let the machine here test ideas and eventually will find the best combination and you will get better results in terms of click and engagement. Obviously here you need a larger set, especially of headlines, because to be honest, that's what most people actually read. And, and obviously you have some descriptions some guidance here is you don't have to actually go for the whole circle, but as long as you don't have a good amount of headlines, try to add as many as you can. Try to add as many and unique descriptions as you can. Don't make them repetitive. Try to find different ideas. Like for example, here, I don't talk about the product. I just talked about growing in general. Here, I dive a little bit more into more specific things like PPC and things like that. So test different ideas. And over time, let me see if this ad is actually showing me something of that. And over time, you will be able to, let me use a larger time frame. Impressions. 
right? That some headlines will be shown more than others. I have very little information in this one because our budget is quite small here. But, but you will start seeing over time what combinations are getting more in, most, the most impressions and those will be more successful. And the other great thing about this for me is that it prevents something that is very common on the advertising industry, which is ad fatigue, right? For search, it's harder because rarely a person search twice very often, but, uh, but this apply also on social. And when you have a lot of combinations, then if an ad is being shown many times, then people will start clicking less or paying less attention because they have seen it many times already. And an order ad will start getting advantage because it will be fresher for that person or for that group of population. So you have this up and down in terms of which ad is more relevant. And as long as the asset reflects your brand and reflects what you intend to offer to the marketplace, then you will have a, a healthy variation of ads that will prevent ad fatigue. Take advantage of those two ideas, very tactical here, but hopefully it's helpful. Take advantage of the regular expand ads, especially those extra headlines, those extra descriptions, and test the responsive search ad. Put some assets there, let it compete, and let's see who ranks the best. Leo, I don't know if you have any comments on that one. Really, it was very complete what you were presenting here. Congratulations. I, I would wrap up or try to make a summary of how to grow out uh, the best practice to really grab, write the best Google ads would be like a sum. I would summarize it in probably seven or eight steps that you mentioned already. First, uh, leverage the keywords where it's possible. That's very important. Yeah. Second, be very specific as, a usual, as the usual query. Third, you, you mentioned, you have mentioned all of this. Always include a, a, a call to action. You have to promote and always include, include that call to action. Yeah, um, probably test a psychological approach to find the right fit to your customer to really find the fit and, and, and make these tests that you mentioned and, and, and really prove your ideas is very, is very helpful. Five, don't sell false bill of goods. That's really important and I really like a lot. Do not sell false bill of goods. You mentioned as well, number six, uh, use ad extensions like crazy. You have to use a lot of ads to really try to put the main idea and then put the extension that you show a little while ago. Probably seven, uh, leverage dynamic ad features. That's also very yes, good. Yes, I didn't mention those, but they're important. I think you didn't mention that one. And the number one rule, it's very important. You always have to think that you're always talking to people. You are not talking to a machine. You're talking to people. That's the number one rule that you have to have in mind when you are designing these ads. Yeah, I I'm think that, that's a probably a summer that you have mentioned. I probably had one or two, but it's basically the same that you, you did a great job trying to put it on that screen. I love that one. It's true. You always have to remember that at the end of the day, you are talking to people. That's really important for one key aspect is that, yes, it's important to match the keyword to the title and to the landing page, right? It has to fall. If you are, if you're offering black dressing shoes, right? You want to talk about that on the ad and you want to send a person to that, but don't fall on the trap of thinking that is that the only way you can have toad provoking ad copy that just makes people scratch their head and it's not related to the keyword and it will still it will still work 
And if it does, then machines will catch up and they will, they will uh, reward you for that. So always think first for humans and, and second for machines. I love that, Leo. So that's been for today. I really enjoyed this episode and I look forward to seeing you all on the next one. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. I cannot believe it. We are already here on the fourth episode. So we are building a little library there and, and we'll have it on the, on the website too. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you very much, Emilio. Thank you. Have a great Thanks. afternoon. Great seeing you, Donald. Bye-bye. Bye now.